United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. to United States of Lead, a podcast about crime, mental decline, and the lead thread that links them. This week, we're going to dive a little bit into lead's history with alcohol. And this is something we're just going to do a, a brief touch on. I know we've mentioned before, there's just so many avenues to go down. I think, Paul, you're the one who said it. It's kind of like a, a tree trunk. And then from there, the branches will come out and those branches, you know, we'll get to later. So if we didn't touch on something more deeply that you want to know more about, email us at unitedstatesoflet at gmail.com. We love hearing people's suggestions and ideas. Our episode two on lead poisoning's history with ancient Rome we discussed a little bit about how ancient Romans loved putting lead in their wine and even in the containers that the wine was carried in. So the first people to ban leaded wine in the Roman Empire were the North Germans, and yet somehow lead continued to find its way there. So they were the first ones to ban it back then, but then in 1690, there was a severe outbreak of colic, which is an illness characterized by a variety of symptoms, including excruciating abdominal pain. Ulm, Germany's official physician wrote that a local monastery of monks who were not drinking the wine in the region were healthy and that they didn't have any type of symptoms of colic. Since the monks lived together, they ate the same food and drank the same wine. They provided the astute doctor with an ideal setting for investigating the cause of the disease. Every time he visited the monks, he offered a glass of wine until he too developed colic. Upon a detailed investigation, he found the culprit to be an agent used to sweeten the wine, which is lethargy, a white oxide of lead. And that's something that I would like us to get into because I haven't heard of that before, lethargy. So that's something I didn't even think about either is that there's other types of lead. I, this I is didn't... all crazy. Yeah. I didn't know any of this. Yeah, so uh, definitely something that we're going to want to look into further. When this concentrated sweetener was added to sour wine, it brought it back to life and made it drinkable. Because instead of throwing it away, you know, (laughs) figure out how to save it. The entire region depended upon the wine export as a major source of revenue. If the word spread that the wine from Ulm was causing colic, then the city's economy was threatened. 
I, I would love to know if this is one of the places. I'm pretty sure it is one of the places like back in ancient Rome that were like, get this leaded wine out of here. <laughs> and then they end up producing the same thing. I just find that so wild. But like we keep saying, and Dr. Needleman says, lead just keeps finding a way back into our society. We're addicted to it. We're addicted to some <laughs> aspect of this thing. We can't, we just I can't never thought shake of that. it. I never thought of the addiction connection before it's so weird yeah it's so it's like well, like well, sugar it is like sugar the tree trunk analogy there's so much mm-hmm. yeah that's connected and uh woven together and dependent on each other and we'll have to get to that when you see someone in an addiction you can explain to them how this is bad and yeah. like, oh they might even see it as bad but they they just return to the same behavior when i was editing episode four before we started recording and we start talking about the dangers of how they worded stuff trying to say that because something was typical that it was normal and you had brought up too with someone who was addicted to heroin well (laughs) it's it's normal or it's typically heroin use like uh yeah it's typical for them to use that every day so does that mean it's normal to use that much heroin in your everyday life no (laughs) but that's what you know it's Going back to that too. So back to Germany in the 1600s. In 1696, Duke Ludwig issued a decree forbidding the use of lead-based additives in any wine product. And again, this is from one of Dr. Needleman's papers from 1999. For anyone who violated this decree, the punishment was death. I know that they were a little execution happy back then but that's pretty severe for something like so it shows how much it was really impacting their economy i would agree so that's an extreme sentence and (laughs) it's certainly not typical today in all fairness it would be interesting to see what other crimes were punishable for were punishable absolutely yeah Yeah. i mean clearly wearing certain colors on a certain day or growing sage Yes, absolutely. Well, you must be a witch. I mean, knowing how to read as a woman. (laughs) This part of his uh, paper, too, is called the first law banning lead was for economic reasons, exclamation point. So if you didn't think it was because of economic reasons, yes, it was. There were recordings of Roman wine being banned by German tribes. Again, this is what we were talking about before because of the sickness which resulted. Surprisingly, many doctors of that period prescribed preparations of mercury. or lethargic itself to cure the colic. So again, this lead additive was prescribed to get rid of the lead poisoning. You know how we're going to get rid of lead? With lead and mercury. Well, and mercury is not good for you either. Yeah. What is the deal with mercury? I mean, I know it's cool. It looks... It's in thermometers. Well, (laughs) I know this is true in um, a burial chamber that they have not unearthed in china there's some emperor and they theorize that there are rivers of mercury in a recreation of his palace i understand it's deeply tied to the history of humanity i mean it's we can see it in witchcraft and you know wicked traditions and today. is that right yeah oh, so well, if our if our recording is fucked now we know gotta have a re- your retrograde plan i know it's important and i think i can envision someone way back when experiencing mercury and just being blown away by it but 
didn't people die really quickly around it? Like it's, it's incredibly toxic. It's, well, I I remember once when I was a kid, I was, I heated up a, an egg roll in the microwave and there was a thermometer, the old school thermometer with the mercury and And I stuck it in there and it, 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 it burst and it, the liquid like went into the egg roll and I was going to eat it. Why not? I I didn't know what, you know, it would be, I mean, I was less than 10 years old and I remember my mom being like oh my god like you know because she knew that how how bad it was and yeah it's yeah but like again the fact that that's something it's that scary and we had it in our everyday houses right I mean I'm pretty sure they still don't put mercury in thermometers you know I had to budget for the purchase of uh mercury thermometers glass thermometers in I don't even know so I had to budget uh, for thermometers for a program that I run and a medical program. We wanted people to have the experience of using those in addition to modern infrared. Um, okay. And they're expensive. They are oh, like okay. 60 bucks. You know, Dang. you can buy a fancy thermometer for under 30 bucks. And then yeah. one of the old school ones are like two to two and a half times the price. Yeah. So. so going back to Germany, trying to use lead to get rid of lead. On and off over the next centuries, plural, liquor (laughs) would continue to be a source of lead exposure. In 1763, a physician at the court of King George III, discovering that lead fittings used to press cider caused an outbreak of colic, the great gout epidemics of the 18th century in England were traced to popular port wines from Portugal which were heavily leaded. And this is in parentheses, in 1825, 21 million liters of port was consumed in England and all of it was poisoned. So we go, you know, that idea that gout came from them eating these rich fatty meats. I I have never once in a history class or history documentary had that associated with with lead poisoning. Have you, when they talk about gout? It's always because there are these rich people who had rich food, which, yes, this is because the wine is, but it's always meats and fats and salts. It's never I've never heard it being because of lead. People who have gout, are they getting their lead tested like the people who don't have uh, enough calcium? The other crazy thing that I'm noticing with this story is how this was not from the grapes. It was it's not from it could be from these other things. Oh, sure. It could. Absolutely. And the culprit with this example is, is that right? Am I reading this right? It's, it's the press. It was the, it was the manufacturing process. It was, yeah, it, it was from the manufacturing and, and also too, from what they put it in. So that's oh, okay. just the, that was the first, it was like, <laughs> there's so many layers to, and that's another thing. So there's all of these different ways. So even if you think, okay, well, at least, you know, we got that problem solved, then it's like, well, it can still get in from this, mm-hmm. right? the poorly glazed pottery used to store the beers and wine that Mm. also resulted in chronic colic outbreaks in Germany when the lead leached out into the brew. And even today, which is what we're going to get to, some wine seals are made of lead and some leaded crystal decanters can leach lead into the liquor. One of America's first public health laws was to ban the use of leaded coils due to the health problems it caused to people who drank the spirits. In colonial America, the Massachusetts Bay Colony banned lead from being added to wine and cider. These are not things I learned in school <laughs> at all. All right, I gotta ask this. 
You said yeah. they outlawed coils. What is that? I'm picturing it, you know, the coil like, where the liquor goes in. The liquor goes up. And yeah. the, so it's like a, like a, a gin mill or like yeah. a, picturing a bootlegger and they have that coil. Yep. That yep. coil had the lead yep. in it. Yes. Oh, that's so, so oh, insidious. We're going to get to moonshiners too. <laughs> good Don't Lord. forget the moonshiners. Yeah. Don't All right, forget great. those poor oh. moonshiners. You, you know, you talk about the alcohol poisoning and it's like, well, a lot of it's because of the lead. Crazy. That they get so sick. Just a quick reminder, too, that it's not just liquor products where lead can turn up. And this is something once we have time to dive into, but we won't necessarily now. In Hungary in 1994, a major health problem occurred when red oxide lead was mixed into paprika to brighten the color of the spice. Research has shown that stone mills, which have lead pieces, can result in putting lead particles into flour. Lead has shown up in milk where cows have grazed on grasses growing in soil with large lead accumulations from either industrial waste or heavy auto traffic. I mean, I think about here in Wisconsin, how many farms are right off the highway. Right. Whether lead is puffed onto an 18th century noble's wig in the form of white lead litharge or innocently drinking wine made from grapes grown near a busy highway. Or added as a filler to ice cream being sold in India. Man seems to create unusual pathways for lead to enter the human system. It's like, that's where I tie it back to that addiction thing. It's like, God, who thinks about adding that? You know, it's really insidious. This is sort of the Kaiser Suse line about the devil tricking the world that it didn't exist. So we have this word for this chemical, for this type of lead, lethargic. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it was used a lot with a lot of in a lot of industries. It was something that would have been purchased. Like someone's job would have job duty would have been and make sure that you order more Letharge this this eves. And I, I don't know. I wonder if lethargic is connected to that. I that's been in the back of my head the whole time. And I didn't want to say that out loud. You're so much braver than I am. And <laughs> we had a word for these things that we're throwing into our food and we don't really have that word now we literally don't have the same way of talking about it as we did in our past i just feel somewhere down the line we're gonna find out that one of these words and the ingredients or pieces of something that's made is lead and that they're calling it something else like this lethargy that's what i feel is going to happen somewhere down the line i think toothpaste did that with what is it? Plumbin? What is lead in Latin? Plum- I don't know. It's PB or the so it, prob- yeah, something with a plum. Toothpaste used to have that as an ingredient. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Ruby has this, and now I've been staring at her toothpaste. She uses that crest where it's like glittery, bright blue, because it was right. the only one that was flavored mint, because everything else was watermelon and strawberry. And things that she wanted to swallow. And I'm trying to teach her not to swallow her toothpaste. And that was the only one that was a mint flavor. And I'm just like, I just don't trust it. So I'm about to throw it away. Plumbum. I, that's why I can't remember this name. Plumbum. It sounds like it sounds like a made up name. Like you think of Latin, it's very prestigious or whatever. Plumbum. Yeah. Sounds like a pie from a for... book. A kid's yes. Book yes. It sounds like a pie from a nonsensical adventure. That was the ingredient on a lot of things. I found this interesting, too, with the 18th century noble wigs. Crazy. Yeah. And you know they were sweating terribly. 
we need to put even more lead in our body. So we're going to put it on our like we we've put it all over ourselves. We've, we've <laughs> ingested it. We're going to put it on our wigs as well. And our makeup. And our makeup. We just need more and more lead. Yep. And before I forget, I remember last week I brought up how I wanted to call it red red wine and you thought I said lead lead wine and yes. I was like, "Oh man, that's it's kind of like my let's talk about lead song." And so I was trying to think of one lead lead wine by pb40 <laughs> get it yeah that's more for yeah. listeners listeners are you over 35 do you get that i think people get that that song's pretty fucking old i'm gonna see how old it is you keep going well i think the only thing better than a really bad joke that you get is a really bad joke that you have to explain so yeah, if anyone needs a detailed explanation of that. I just got to see when it was released. 1983, the year I was born. That song Red, came Red, Red Wine is not from 1983. Red, Red Wine by UB40 was released in 1983. That hung on strong for a long time. So I was redoing the lyrics. I was like, lead, lead wine, stay away from me. Don't let me be poisoned. It's tearing apart my blue heart. And then the breakdown where it's like, lead, lead wine. You don't make me feel so fine. You keep me <laughs> nauseous all of the time. Lead, lead wine. You don't make me feel so grand. And then that's all I got. But I'm going to come out with a full version of it. Just wait. I can't wait. But I've had that stuck in my head since last week. But just lead, lead wine. Hey, maybe that's the way that we raise awareness. We do like a kids bop style CD. And we just replace lead with lyrics. <laughs> would we get sued? I mean, it could be considered a parody. I don't lead think we could get sued if it's a parody. It's not the same. It, <laughs> it's, and it's education. Um, yes. For education purposes only. I want to get the kids bop kids because they're terrifying. And yeah, they, they are. Uh, they are fueled by, <laughs> by the souls of. Of the damned for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say talk about the devil existing. Just kidding, they're kids. But no, I think I I yeah, think no we got something there. Right. <laughs> Doing an album with the kids bop style, replacing lead. We already got salt and pepper. Let's talk about lead, baby. And PB40. So I'll go, we'll have to change salt and pepper's name to salt and paprika because of the paprika. It's in the lead. Let's talk about lead and then PB40s, lead, lead wine. I'm making a list, Paul. I, I I see that. <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. We already, oh, an LL Cool J. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Mama said knock you out of our society. <laughs> Lead. All right, anyways. <laughs> yeah, all right, excellent. Well, that was back in 1690. There's no way that Lead's still in alcohol today right how is it possible that that's still here i can't answer the, well i can answer i guess that you can't get rid of it and it's cheap and the lower effects are things that people can just quote deal with and for the kids it's like eh, you know it is what it is so that's really interesting andrea so you're like it's not an immediate toxin People aren't just falling over from exposure to lead. It's... Well, people are. Okay. But it's it's the people oh. that get like hit hard. 
Right. But when it's an additive in wine over however many millions of gallons you're producing and then it's spread out to however many millions of people are consuming it or thousands or whatever, it's just not an immediate effect. So it literally can build up. And I'm not saying that's not an immediate effect either. It's effects that you don't, wouldn't associate with it. Right. It's, you know, and this guy gets gout. It's like, well, stop drinking beer. And then he stops drinking the beer and it's the beer, not the lead, you know? So there's, Oh, totally. And if it's if you grow so if you grow potatoes in leaded yep. soil, yep. that's one thing. And then you grow carrots, and so, so yeah, you're like, hey, stop eating carrots or stop eating potatoes. I did. I started eating carrots, and then mm-hmm. but it's the soil. That's mm-hmm. it's just insidious. And yeah, and like I said, there was that NPR article that our friend Tracy sent to me. They had just completely renovated their house, and they found out her daughter had severe lead point. Like the doctor just was like, well, let's just, let's just test for this. And she's like, but we redid our whole house. And it was the door, the door opening and closing the dust from that gave her daughter like 40 micrograms. Oh, wow. Something cra- yeah. I mean, crazy. And because six even- is the like five, is five, the, is. five, five is the, What's you're, cons- this is really bad. You gotta, you, you really have to it's the threshold. It's the threshold for like attention. We got to start. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And which is, again, we've said there's no safe amount of lead and no safe amount of lead. it keeps changing. It used to be 10 micrograms, but five is the way, like you would five get a doctor's considered. Yeah. A spidey sense tingling. Okay. Well, not all because in the comments too, this person wrote that their pediatrician and she even quoted them saying people are just blow this lead issue out of proportion it's not a big deal get over it um yeah <laughs> so it's with anything in life there's going to be doctors who say aspartame is probably fine for you too but yeah like i said we're, we're going off of what is written and not only written but written by professionals written by scientists written by doctors who have been studying this for for centuries now like literal centuries because <laughs> we've known for over two thousand years how poisonous it is I think one of the things that we're doing is really trying to start a dialogue. And I keep coming back to this of science is not the search for truth. Science is the construction of models and then the systematic comparison from model of models with other models. You never really get a full picture of everything, but uh, Mm -hmm. you still have a, you have a discourse of comparison and Mm -hmm. replication. The thing that's really frightening with everything that you've, you've shown me is just that People and institutions aren't discussing this. We don't have a way of talking about this. And someone might say it's six, someone might say it's five, someone might say it's 10, someone might say it's don't even worry about it all, but there isn't a way of registering these concerns really. And I think a lot of that goes to the fact of how out of control it is. It's out of control. I completely agree. Yeah. Anyways, going back to alcohol, you think that this was all in the past, but it's not. So we're going to go back to the 80s for a second here. And from a study done October, December 1986, they found that the blood lead concentrations in middle-aged men were positively associated with alcohol consumption by the Royal Commission of Environmental Pollution, which recommended that information on lead and alcohol beverages be obtained. We talk about those behavioral side effects of lead and how much of that could possibly be associated to that 
And especially with this sector of middle-aged men. So the results reported here were obtained in response to the Royal Commission's request. And again, this is from 1986, but still about 90% of canned and bottled beers contained less than or equal to 10 micrograms of lead, whereas nearly half the drought beer sampled contained greater than 10 micrograms. And then 4% contained greater than 100 micrograms. So opening the cans and bottles and pouring the contents into glass didn't have a significant effect of lead concentration in the beer. All the wine sampled directly from the bottle, that's like without pouring it into another container, contained less than 250 micrograms, which not a, a small bar there. However, the lead concentration in some wines contained in lead capped bottles increased significantly when the wine was poured from the bottle. In one instance, the increment was 1,890 micrograms. And it concluded the consumption of beer containing 50 micrograms of lead could make a substantial contribution to blood lead concentrations in someone. Crazy. Yeah, this was from 1986. So you're like, okay, well, they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, we just discovered this. We're going to we're going to stop doing it, right? <laughs> this is out of control. Let's put an end to it. No. And I know we discussed this I think last week of draft beer and the lines that the draft beer goes through and those old pubs. I never would why would you think of that? So, that was 1986. And so we're like, okay, well, that was 1986. Well, 2019 from US News World Report. Glass alcohol bottles contain harmful levels of lead and cadmium. A recent study found that toxic chemicals leached from the bottles when exposed to rain in a landfill site. So remember how I was talking about how I don't feel comfortable just getting rid of the stuff, you know, that has lead in. Mm -hmm. I can't just throw mm -hmm. it in the trash because then it goes there. You know, I know that my brain is a little neurotic, but if you're not thinking of the ripple effect, if you will, of your decisions and your actions, everything leads to something. It's like, okay, you're going to throw away this. Well, where is that going? And then what's right. going to happen to there? And then what goes to the people who live near that landfill? And it goes into the soil and then the soil goes up into the air and then it blows into their house. I mean, that's where I just wish people could start broadening their thinking a little bit. So alcohol bottles contain harmful levels of toxic chemicals, including lead and cadmium. Researchers discovered that glass bottles of beer, wine, and spirits and bottles decorated with enamel contained cadmium, lead, and chromium, while the levels found in the glass bottles were deemed, quote, of low significance. Levels discovered in the enamel pose more of a risk. This is the other scary thing is lead accumulates. And right. so they brush this off. But if you're a frequent alcohol drinker, yeah, it's not going to hurt you if you have this one, but if you have that one four times a day every day. Right. So researchers tested bottles of beer, wine, and spirits purchased from local and national retailers. And again, this is from the U.S. Sizes ranged from 50 milliliters to 750 milliliters. Bottles were either clear, frosted, green, ultraviolet, absorbing green, or brown. Some were enameled over part of the exterior surface, the images, patterns, logos, texts, and barcodes of either a single color or multiple colors. Andrew Turner, author of the study and associate professor of aquatic geochemistry and pollution science at the University of Plymouth said in a press release statement that the results are, quote, evidence of harmful elements being unnecessarily used where there are alternatives available. And I know we talked about this, 
it's not like there's not another thing. It's like leaded gas and ethanol. They had the choice to use ethanol even back when leaded gas was created. There was an option. It just wasn't as convenient. Yeah, because that convenience costs, I mean, it does cost money. It costs, and that's more important than contributing to a healthy and thriving, sustainable environment and planet and society. Mm -hmm. It's psychopathic. Yeah. Well, and talk about a, a side effect of a behavioral, yeah. neurological side effect of this. So then you might be thinking, okay, well, I'm going to stay away from alcohol that has any kind of enamel on the labels. I'm going to check where the alcohol comes from. But again, like we found out grapes can have lead in them if it's a winery next to a highway, et cetera. Well, don't forget about those decanters that you like to put your alcohol in. Well, those are also full of lead. <laughs> so glass is made by heating sand and then allowing it to cool down. Sand or silicon dioxide has a highly ordered arrangement of its silicone and oxygen atoms. In other words, it has a well-defined crystal structure. When sand is liquefied by heat and then cooled, this ordered arrangement of atoms is lost, resulting in more random pattern characteristics of glass. The sand is said to have been vitrified. When lead compounds are added to molten sand, a glass with high density durability and special brilliance is formed. And this is known as lead crystal. I never knew how lead got into crystal until this article. And also a quick reminder that all of our sources will always be listed under every episode that comes out. Typically, lead crystal contains 24 to 30% lead oxide. If beverages are stored for a long time in decanters made of lead crystal, tiny amounts of lead can leach out. The maximum allowable level of lead in drinking water is 50 micrograms per liter, a concentration that can be exceeded in wines that are kept in crystal decanters for a long time. Port wine, for example, can steadily increase its lead concentration up to 50 fold in four months from 90 Ugh. to 400 micrograms per liter. Brandy, which in Wisconsin, that's perking up a lot of people's ears, I'm sure, stored over five years can have over 20 thousand micrograms per liter. So while there is no problem serving alcohol beverages from lead crystal decanters at your party, they should not be stored in them for any period of time. I had no idea. No. What, where do you learn Who's that? Who's putting it back in the fucking alcohol bottle after? You took so much time to can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to I suppose that means you're going to consume it. Do you watch... Downton Abbey? I haven't watched it since I lived at the Harriet. <laughs> okay. Uh, greatest show ever. And yeah. what's his name? Ugh, spacing on, on everyone's name now. But the head butler is constantly decantering things. That's what he does. <laughs> That's like every shot is him decantering some wine. But I guess they're going to consume it right away because they drink a lot of wine on the show. Anyway. Well, um, we can go back to the fact, too, that they don't need to be adding lead into the crystal. The excuses that they had for why they added it into other things. Well, it, you're it, right. The color's prettier. Well, it's it's prettier this way. It's more durable and it has a sort of special brilliance. But yeah, I don't know anybody who does not who pours that back into the liquor bottle after it's in the bottle no. that the pretty bottle. It's in the pretty bottle. So then, too, I mean, it does make me wonder about those special liquor bottles too. So when this I was from a 2019. 
When we were kids, I think that was growing out of fashion. Like the idea of, I saw that on TV, you'd see it on soaps or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I can't remember too many friends of mine who would have brandy in a, they just didn't have that. However, that is kind of a hipster thing to do these days. Oh, hell yeah. Vintage. That's what I'm saying. We love vintage. Our generation loves everything vintage. Oh, all right. So here's a quick question. Is it socially acceptable to bring this up when someone offers you, you someone invites you to home, sits down, oh, whatever, they want to show off their fancy decanter and they put their Christian Brothers brandy in eight months ago mm-hmm. uh, and they're so proud of this. I don't know if that's uh, something that people would take kindly. Oh, they'd absolutely maybe that's a be problem. offended. Yeah, yeah, they'd absolutely be offended. If I'm at a place and somebody has a crystal decanter, you're damn right. I'm going to say, hey, do you know what that's made out of? How long have you had your alcohol in there? Just so you know, you might want to be aware of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm good. I'm not going to be drinking out of that. But thank you for offering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to put that back in the bottle. Yeah. Well, normalize asking. Normalize asking. Normalize about like- asking. Especially when you don't do it to be a dick. Now, this study that I'm going to talk about is trying to say that there's no significant issue with having lead in wine and beer, which again, why why are we making excuses? This study comes from the International Journal of Food Contamination. Even though their conclusion is that lead content in wine does not pose a health risk to adult consumers, we already know the side effects of lead in adults. So that's just simply not true. But This says, as just for background, the historical use of lead in gasoline, paints, pipes, plumbing, and various industrial processes has contributed to the current ubiquitous presence of lead in various environmental media, including soil, water, and air. Recently, it has been reported that wine samples contain detectable levels of heavy metals, raising concerns of potential contamination issues in food and beverages. Specifically, a recent study reported that lead was detected in 58% of United States wine samples, concluding that the risk associated with lead contamination in wine may be significant. It is important to understand whether lead contamination in commonly consumed beverages, such as wine, poses a health hazard to humans. Why do we keep making excuses? No matter what, that's going into the landfill. No matter, you know, there's, it's just, I'm just so sick of it. This is circling around the biggest reason why I wanted to be involved with this project is I want someone to explain to me how lead is in everything. And one of the symptoms of lead poisoning is a loss of empathy and subclinical narcissistic behavior. Lead is in everything. We're not talking about lead and people are acting like they are exhibiting some of the side effects of lead poisoning. So. Yes, at an astronomical level. Someone needs just to explain to me how that's not just insane. Like, at least we should be looking into that. Are we potentially overwhelmingly exposed to lead and experiencing lead at an epidemic level? I really want someone to explain to me how we're not blowing this out of proportion. Yeah, the side effects you said, and then also high blood pressure, irritability. These are all things where, uh, too, as an adult, you can't get your lead number. Right. You know, the fact that they're like, well, you're under two, whatever. Okay. But am I being exposed to, you know, that they don't even care that it might be something that's actually in your environment currently. 
it makes me think of that pediatrician, like the woman who the doctor that wrote back to me is like that, like, oh, get over it. It's not a big deal. Everybody blows us out of, how is that your medical response? Yeah. And, you know, if it's under two or if I test, if someone tests with a low number, would even that slight elevation with that amount of lead, with that, is someone more susceptible to that effect if they have mental health issues, if they have high blood pressure issues, if they have bone density issues, mixing with calcium. So it just seems like a cover-up. It seems like we could not discuss this. But we are conditioned to think that it all lies with us as individuals, because that's how this is looked at too. This is an individual problem. It's not a societal problem. This reminds me of fractional reserve banking. If you tell someone that your bank most people, I think, more than ever have know this now, but the idea that a bank can loan out 97% or whatever it is, 99% of the cash that they have, they don't need to have that cash on hand. In fact, they can loan. So if they have $10,000, they can loan out $97,000 because not everyone's going to pull from the bank at one time. So you leverage that. I feel like there's something similar to that that's going on with lead. What I'm saying is we never talk about that. And we talk about banks being a safe place for your money. Mm -hmm. But the reality is your money goes into the bank and then it leaves immediately into other people's wallets and other people are using that. They're making a lot of money off of it, but we don't talk about that. You can't talk to the bank about that. And if you bring that up at a conversation, unless you're talking with economists, you sound like a conspiracy theory nut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the heart of traditional banking. It seems like there's something similar going on with lead, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we can't into... actually talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Why would you have to look at that test? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Why it wouldn't we want- It doesn't affect adults like it affects children. The use of wording. Mm-hmm. That's not saying it doesn't affect adults. <laughs> it doesn't affect adults like it affects children. Right. <laughs> It doesn't affect adults. Also, a song we're adding to our Kids Bop Lead album, instead of We Don't Talk About Bruno, we have to do what? We don't talk about plum bum. (laughs) Yes, there we go. So again, with alcohol and with water, I mean, it's with anything we're consuming. And like Dr. Needleman says, it just, it has a curious way of coming back into our lives. And we discussed this last week as in regards to the fact that there's no regulations for people not putting this stuff in their products. You know, we have regulations for other things that you can't have in, in your products. So why is lead not one of them? And why can't I get a bottle of water that says lead free or a bottle mm-hmm. of wine that's lead free? It's so in everything that that's why we really don't see it that often. Yeah, it can't say lead free because then it would need to be lead free and like be. <laughs> if it says lead safe, that doesn't mean it's lead free. But yeah, again, too, just a, a shout out to Lead Safe Mama. Her blog is fantastic. Her TikTok now that Paul introduced me, she tests a lot Super of fan. products that if you're interested, you'd be surprised at the stuff. And she's been advocating for years. Um, and what's crazy to me is just looking at her site, looking at her material. It's like I know I have interacted with so many of those products. The McDonald's glasses. These are kind of random samplings of, you know, quote unquote, random samplings of just nostalgia and my 
you know, just human interaction. It's like, yep, I've, I've seen that plate. I have yep. totally seen that plate. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's for me, it's the grimace glass. Oh yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We just touched lightly on this, but obviously there's a lot further down we could go. Who would think that you can't keep your alcohol in the container? I mean, that is a big thing as far as wine, all these new decanters. Oh, for sure. That are coming Absolutely. out. And, oh, it's just I, I know several, I'm just picturing several people in just my orbit where they would just be super proud of that purchase. I'm picturing them in my mind right too. now. Yeah. Like, oh, I just found this decanter at Goodwill for, for 10 bucks. Oh, I'm so proud of this. And they would, with joy and uh, excitement in their heart, offer mm -hmm. drinks to people as they come in their home. Pour out that bottle of triple sec or whatever people drink these days. Straight mm -hmm. triple sec, I'm sure. Just straight and... triple sec. Yeah, that's, that's what the kids <laughs> That's what people are drink, right? I don't just know. Just straight triple sec. <laughs> We're so well, out of touch. Out of touch. <laughs> out of touch. Another song. Anyways, thank you everybody for listening and we will talk to you next week. Thanks everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Want to know more about this subject? Consider making a donation on Patreon where you can unlock extended video episodes and bonus content like deep dives and exclusive interviews. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.